Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and today I'm really excited to be talking with our guest, Nathan Hirsch. Nathan is an entrepreneur and an expert in remote hiring and e-commerce. He's the co-founder and CEO of a company called FreeUp.com with three E's. That's really important, FreeUp.com with three E's. Uh, And it's a marketplace that connects businesses with pre-vetted freelancers in e-commerce, digital marketing, and, and really a whole lot more. He sold over $30 million online, and he regularly appears on business podcasts around the world, including ours. Uh, Nathan, uh, welcome, and uh, really excited to have had the opportunity to meet you out at uh, Traffic and Conversion Summit last week. So uh, glad we're, we're uh, connecting today on the podcast. Welcome. Yeah, it's been great. I got the whole traveling beard going on. Um, <laughs> Met a lot of great people, have four days here, head to the Philippines. But yeah, it was great to meet you. Excited to be here and hope you're doing well. Yeah, definitely. Hey, and you look way better in the beard than I would. So uh, I've, <laughs> I've tried it before. It doesn't work. So uh, tell us a little bit about kind of how you got started and what got you to this point in your entrepreneurial career. Yeah, so I started off as a broke college kid looking for extra beer money. And what I wanted to do was cut off the school bookstore because I thought they were ripping us off. We were paying hundreds of dollars every semester, paying, getting paid pennies in the dollar at the end of the semester, and I thought that I could do better. And so I did. I built relationships with different online distributors. I started buying people's books, and before I knew it, I had lines out the door of people trying to sell me their textbooks. I actually got a cease and desist letter from the school because uh, I was taking up too much of their business. And from there, you don't sell books for very long without learning about Amazon. And back then, Amazon was mostly a bookstore. They were just getting into other products, and I became addicted with it, obsessed. I thought it was so cool to own an Amazon store. I knew I couldn't sell books forever. I was going to graduate college, and I just wanted to find some kind of business model around being an Amazon seller. So I tried everything. I tried selling things I liked, like sporting equipment and DVDs, computer games, and I failed over and over and over. I couldn't get anything to sell. And one day I came across a discount for a baby product online. And the idea of dropshipping popped in my head years before I even knew it was called dropshipping. And I played around with it on Amazon and I started dropshipping baby products from different retailers, different distributors. And before I knew it, the business was growing and growing and taking off. And and I was running this multi-million dollar Amazon business out of my college dorm room. So as that took off and I got crushed by my first busy season, I had no idea what to expect. Um, the e-commerce world was really right at the beginning, and I, I, re- I needed people. I needed help. I needed someone to do orders and customer service and listing products. So I started hiring people, and one of my first hires was my business partner, Connor, who has been working with me for over eight years. So that was a great hire, but along the way, I had a lot of bad hires as well, and I learned from those. And as I graduated and moved to down to Florida, I learned about the, the gig economy, the remote hiring marketplace of the world. And I became determined to build a VA army because I thought I thought it was so cool that I could hire all these different people with different skill sets, different talents from around the world at different price points. And I, I had a lot of success doing it. The issue was it was taking me forever to hire people. If I needed a graphic designer, I'd have to interview 100 people. It would take me two weeks when I needed it done that day. So I came up with the idea, or I I was looking for a faster way to get talent, and when I couldn't do that, I 
I built it myself. So that's really how the free up marketplace came about where we pre-vet people, let them in, and then make them available quickly to clients while also protecting them on the back end. So that's how I went from a broke college kid to starting two companies. Yeah, it's uh, quite the story. You had a way better plan for getting beer money than I did in college. So uh, <laughs> if I had, to, if I could go back now, maybe I'd have more beer. Um, <laughs> you know, the the problem that you hit on though with free up is is I think a, a, a really critical one. Um, you know, people as they're building out their business, you run into this issue where you've got to hire people, and it's. It's difficult. The world is rapidly changing. And um, hopefully as we get a little further into the interview, we'll talk more about the, the shift, as you call it, the gig economy um, and, and how business owners who, who are listening can take advantage of that to kind of get things done and get things off their plate. But I, I can imagine that as you were building this, I mean, you're basically becoming, you know, a, a hiring agency, even though they don't work for you, you're still kind of vetting them and screening them. That isn't an easy process. So as you've built this up, you know, and run into to roadblocks along the way, what have you done to, to move through? Yeah, I have to correct you there. So we're not an agency. We're a marketplace. Right. And really the difference is we're not managing these people. We'll vet them and let them in. And we have terms of service and best practices, but they're free to run their business and offer their services on the marketplace however they want. Um, and they do it directly with the clients. But um, yeah, it, I mean, it's been, you, you learn so much when you're dealing with people, right? Nothing, nothing ever goes as planned. Um, there, there's so many lessons that, that I've just learned from the past eight years from avoiding people with, with poor attitudes that become cancer and kind of infect your business to having to chase people around to, to get stuff done. I remember when I was in college, we, we actually had to knock on people's doors to, to wake them up, to get them to, to start their shift. And I mean, even now you get situations, you hear horror stories of people, they invest their, their time, money and energy into someone only to wonder where they are for five days before they, they randomly reappear. So there, there's so many factors on different sides, different skill, attitude, communication that we take into account when building this marketing place, making sure that it's a good experience for both sides. So as you were going through and, and dealing with some of those challenges in the early days, um, you know, a lot of people would have just said, God, enough with these people, I can't take it anymore. And they would have just given up. What What is it that made you guys press through and, and in particular made you want to keep focusing and solve the problem? Yeah. So you kind of get into that catch 22 as a, as a business owner, right? You, you don't have enough time to hire, but you have to hire to, to get more time back. So a lot of people, they fall into that trap. And I remember talking to my accountant once and he was like, when are you ready to hire people? Or are you going to do that soon? And I, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I love doing this. I can work seven days a week. All the money is going into my pocket. I'm not paying them someone else. I'm not paying someone else. They're not going to do it as well as I can anyway. And he just laughed at me and essentially said, good luck. Like, you're going to learn this lesson out, out on your own. And, and I did. And, and then I got destroyed with work. And all of a sudden, this business that is growing rapidly starts to kind of tater off and stale. And you're like, okay, I've kind of hit a ceiling. What do I have to do to get to the next level? And a lot of times the answer is hiring people and not only hiring people, but hiring talented people that can do things that you can't do, turning the weaknesses of your business into strengths. And it's something that I preach to other people. And it's so cool to see when that light bulb finally goes off in a client's head when they're like, wow, like I've been stuck in this same place for a while now. 
And just by adding really talented people, I was able to push my business to the next level. Yeah, and and in, you know, talking with you is uh, we got to spend a day together last week, which um, I thought was fascinating because just listening to you talk through the different you know scenarios of of working with uh, you know with a you know an outsourced worker a contractor, um, you've really thought through all the sides of this. And you have a, an understanding of what's motivating that, that contractor and what's driving the business owner that, uh, that I hadn't heard before. And I thought uh, it was personally, it was pretty uh, enlightening for me to, to really begin to think about those, those contractors as business owners th- themselves, which they are. And okay, what's motivating them? What's going to drive them? And what are we looking for in the way that they behave that's going to make them a good long-term partner? Yeah, it's fun getting into the minds of other people. And I think that's what the best leaders, the best managers even do, because they know what buttons to push. They know when something's going wrong, how do they get things back on the right track? When something is going great, how do you take them to the next level and get the most out of them? And then there's also the the business strategy behind it, because yes, these are real people and they have personalities and you have to care about them. But at the same time, your business is important and you need to do what's best for your business. So you have to be able to remove that emotional element when necessary and make the strategic, good problem solving decisions to get back in the right place or get back get to where you need to be. So the whole I find it fun. It's kind of at, at the beginning, it, it sucks to manage people because you're used to just managing yourself and and everything's great when you're doing that. And then you get thrown a team or a group of contractors and and, and everything kind of goes a little chaotic, a little bit differently than what you had in mind. But once you kind of figure out what buttons to press and, and how to get everything going in the right direction, it becomes a lot of fun. It becomes addicting. Hiring good people is fun. It, it lets you focus on the things that you want to do, focus on expansion. It obviously makes you more money. And when when clients figure that out, they, they enjoy their business more and their business benefits because of it. Well, it, it's a multiplier. I mean, if you can take the as the business owner – the thinking and the process and, and and the value that you've created and figure out how to get other people to deliver that, all of a sudden now you've multiplied your the, the value that you can deliver in the world and you're going to multiply the, the money that, that comes as a result of that. Um, it's got a lot of great benefits, but uh, it does create that, that chaotic period. Um, I've been through it a couple of times now where you feel like, okay, we've got something mastered with, you know, either me or my small team. And then we go and try and expand it. And it's like all of a sudden something that was working really, really well. Uh, sometimes the wheels can fall off. And usually what I find is that when that happens, it's because we didn't really have the system down well enough that we could communicate it to someone. Um, I don't know what you found or, or as you've worked with clients, because you've worked with now hundreds and hundreds of business owners and, and kind of, you know, can see all of the different breaking points for these systems. What do you see when, when people get to that? Yeah, you have to focus on the process. I almost relate it to, to baseball. You can hit the ball right on the line and it goes right at someone and they catch it and you're out. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you did anything wrong or, or that the process was bad. So th- a lot of times the people struggle because they do do everything right and that hire doesn't work out. 
and then they're scared of hiring or, or they twist their process in the wrong direction. Um, that doesn't mean you can't make adjustments and continue to improve, but you can't always look at the end result. No one has a 100% hire record. It just, it doesn't happen. Right now, our, our turnover rate is less than 5%. It's incredible, but here and there, someone gets in that, that maybe shouldn't. And you have to learn from that and go back to the process. Focus on what you can control. Can you improve your communication? Can you lay out the expectations better? Can you motivate someone better? Push those buttons a little bit differently. Maybe trial and error what works one time or doesn't work the next time, adjust it the next time. So really focusing on those things rather than that end result puts it in a little bit more context and the people that do that seem to have more success when hiring. Yeah, and it can be a tough thing. I think that's one of the difficult things when people look at working with you know, an outsourced worker that if you hire an employee in, you sort of, you're sitting over them often, you know, they're in the office and you're observing and, and you feel like you have more control. Now I would challenge that. I don't think you actually do. I think there's a lot more risk in, in going that route, having done it a lot um, and having had a lot of employees in the past. Um, we used to joke, like we, anytime we had an open position, we always hired three. And if we hired three, we knew one of them would stick. If we got two of them to stick, that was like a bonus, you know, because now we were, you know, adding our capability and we were growing and, and we needed people. Um, and so there's tons of risk there and there was tons of expense there. And I think people look at, I, I see this with some of our clients, they go to, to hire an outsourcer and they'll get somebody on, they'll give them a project and it won't go perfectly. And then, oh, you know, whatever. And, and it's like, they throw that person away and you wouldn't do that with an employee. You bring the employee, you train them, you coach them, you kind of help them get that result. And um, I see that missing a lot. I don't know if, if you see that with the folks you work with as well, but uh, I think that's a big gap right now. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I like to look at it as an investment and I'm investing my time, my energy and money into this person. So if I've already spent the time to interview them, to put them through my process, to lay out the expectations, and they come back with maybe 80% of what I want, I've already invested a little bit of time. So I'm gonna invest a little bit more so that I don't have to start over again. So I might give them some feedback, be brutally honest with them, not hold anything back, not be mean about it, but hey, I like that you did X, Y, Z, I didn't like that you did whatever, and give them a chance to redo it. And from there, that will determine if I continue on with that person. So a lot of people, they'll cut ship right away and they just keep starting over, keep starting over, keep starting over, when they don't realize that they had that right person, it's just what they're doing for one client that they like might not be the same thing that they're doing for another client and they like. Now, a different situation, let's say you've invested way more time into someone, you've put in, you've had them working for six months, they, they know a lot of stuff, your time and energy has been put into them, and they start to go downhill, again, you've invested this time, you don't necessarily wanna cut bait with them, you have to come up with alternate strategies. So a better strategy would be hire someone else, start slowly taking things off their plate. And it, either one or two things is going to happen, that the light bulb is going to go off, that they're losing work and they're going to turn it around and you're going to get them back. And you should obviously meet with them and see if you can get to the bottom of it. Or eventually you've taken all the stuff off their plate and, and you no longer need them and they weren't turning around anyway. So you can cut ship and you're still protected. And then the last scenario, if you get someone that you haven't invested any time into, they're showing up late for interviews, they maybe show a bad attitude or, or whatever it is. 
it's not worth investing your time into them because yes, there's a small percentage of the chance they turn it around and become a great worker, but there's a, a lot higher percentage chance that it blows up in your face down the line. So if you treat it more like an investment, you can make better decisions to when to reinvest and continue investing into someone. I think that's a brilliant approach. Now we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I'm going to get Nathan to help you get stuff off your plate. So right now, everybody listening to this, I can guarantee has got a to-do list longer than their arm. And uh, when we come back, we're going to get real practical and down and, and, and dirty with this. And Nathan's going to tell us how to get all that done so that you can actually go and, and have a great weekend this weekend. So um, stay tuned. We'll be back with more from Nathan Hirsch. Hi, this is Steve. I hope you're enjoying this interview. We've got more to come in a minute, but what I'd love for you to do right now is rate this podcast, leave us a review, rate us on iTunes. It'll really help others discover the podcast and help us help other CEOs, other business leaders become unstoppable. So if you go to unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes. You can find instructions there and links that will take you right to where you need to go to review the podcast. Thanks so much. Now back to the interview. Hey, welcome back. This is Steve Gordon and I'm talking with Nathan Hirsch, who is the CEO of freeup.com. And, uh, and Nathan, you were talking before about how to kind of uh, look at this this idea of working with an outsourced person as an investment and and kind of an asset that you're cultivating you're getting them to know your way of of doing things and and sometimes that that takes a little bit of time but it, but you've got options there unlike with a traditional employee so let's say somebody's listening to this and they go yeah this is something I want to try i can almost guarantee the very first question that's going to come in their mind is where do i start what do i get off my plate first so let's talk a little bit about how and from a practical standpoint, the folks listening can actually start to move things off their plate and get, get work done. Yeah. So the first thing to remember is if you use my service or really any other service, if you don't know what you want, it's impossible for us to know what you want. So step one and two is really figuring out what you're taking off your plate and then figuring out what the perfect person looks like for you. So to figure out what to take off your plate, I always recommend getting away from your business. Go sit by a lake or, or whatever it is and come up with two lists. The first list is everything you do on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis. Try to order it from easiest to hardest and, and really try to break it down to figure out where you're spending your time. I have a three-month rule. I don't do anything longer than three months without taking it off my plate because as a startup, as a growing business, it, it takes about that long to come up with a new system, to tweak it, to get feedback and new ideas and get it to a really solid point where you can give it off. Now, the other list is your weaknesses and your strengths. And, and this is so important. I remember one of the best activities I did with my business partner, Connor, when we were stepping on each other's toes and our relationship was starting to go downhill a little bit, we, we sat on a balcony and for an hour, we went back and forth, but back and forth, brutally honest. Hey, you're good at this. You're bad at this. And it, it was intense. But by the end of it, we had this list of everything we were good at and everything that we were bad at. We realized we had the same core values, the same beliefs, but a very different skill set. So we complement each other very well. But we also had this list of these things that we were both bad at weaknesses in the business that we weren't addressing. So we started focusing on hiring for those things, turning weaknesses into strengths. So there's two different approaches to hiring, getting stuff off your plate, getting your hours back, or turning those weaknesses into strengths. 
And then once you have those lists and you start figuring out what you're going to take off first, figure out what that perfect person looks like. Is it an internal employee? Is it a part-time VA from the Philippines? Is it maybe a U.S. freelancer? What's the budget, the skill set, their background? What kind of a schedule or availability do you need? The last thing you want to do is hire someone and invest time and money into them only to have to cut them in two weeks because you ran out of money. So really figuring out what you need and what the perfect person is for you goes a long way to make to making a good hire and proceeding in the next steps of getting applicants and interviewing them. Yeah, and I think that's a, a fantastic point. I think most people would approach this from the perspective of making the list of here's all the things that I'm doing and, and here's what I want to get off. But I, I like looking at your strengths and weaknesses and, and using this as an opportunity to spend more time on your strengths and you know alleviate those weaknesses. This, often those are things that still have to be done, but you know go get somebody else to do them. Um, and what I find honestly is there's a, usually a pretty tight connection between your personal happiness and the amount of time you're spending working in an area of strength um, because that's usually the thing we love to do, you know? Um, so I, I think that's great advice. You guys have built, uh, I think, a fairly unique marketplace. So there are services like Upwork out there. There are services like Fancy Hands. There are, uh, it seems like a proliferation of these things. But what you guys do differently, which I think is really, really smart, is that you go through a process where you vet and kind of qualify the freelancers who are in your marketplace. Um, whereas if, if I go into Upwork or some of those other places, I'm getting anybody that can create an account, right? Um, and while those sites are, are, are great, we've used them before and, and gotten some, some good work, sometimes it's, a, it's just gambling. You guys go through this vetting process. Can you talk a little bit about the vetting process and why you felt like that was important? Yeah, I mean, the world doesn't need another Upwork. There, there's lots of marketplaces out there. There's more even blossoming. We wanted to be different and we wanted to save time because that, that's really what it's all about as a business owner. There, there's nothing more valuable than your time. So by pre-vetting these people and making them available fast, that was our way to be different. That's our way that we save business owners time and money. So with our vetting process, which is really based on our eight years of hiring before, we're looking for skill, attitude and communication, all three of those things. So with skill, we're looking for someone with years of experience. This is not a marketplace for newbies, someone who has references, a track record of success. We have tests that we've either built ourselves or hire, hired experts to create. So a developer gets asked different questions or takes different tests than an Amazon expert, than a graphic designer, than a, a standard VA. So that's very specific for the skill set. And with skill, a lot of times it doesn't matter if you're a 10 out of 10 or, or a 3 out of 10 or a 5 out of 10. It, it, there's a time and a place for you to work for different clients. What matters is that you're honest about what you can and cannot do and that you're not taking worker requests that are way over your head that's going to blow up in everyone's face. Now, while that's different for every worker, the attitude and the communication is the same for all freelancers on the marketplace regardless of your skill set. With attitude, we're looking for people who are passionate about what they do. They're not just in it for the paycheck. They're not just in it to, to grow their own business. They care about their clients. They care about the community. They 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 enjoy what they do, they, they're doing. They generally enjoy it. Um, uh, the example I give is I hate doing bookkeeping. I love being an entrepreneur. When I hire bookkeepers, 
I want them to love being a bookkeeper as much as I love being an entrepreneur. So that's really what we're looking for on attitude. Now, communication is when where this all really comes together because I don't care what type of skill you have or what your attitude is. If you and I can't communicate, it's never going to work out. So yes, they have to speak English at a high level, um, but it goes way further than that. We have 15 pages of communication best practices that they have to memorize and get tested on because we know how important that is. We don't want our clients chasing someone across the world or not getting updates on a project or people that can't hit delivery dates or people that can't manage their own time. We take that stuff very seriously and we know that it's the key to a good hiring experience. So our interview process consists of tests, one-on-one interviews, an application process, and we're, we're very happy with the results we've seen. I mean, when people get through this process, we're very confident they're gonna do a great job for the clients on the marketplace and 99% of the time they do. Yeah, and I tell you, after hearing you, and you just scratched the surface of everything that you take them through, and I had the benefit of, of spending more time with you and, and kind of hearing the whole process. And for me, that gave me a level of comfort. Like, I'm not going to waste time chasing people. I'm not going to have to. That, that's one of the challenges that, that I know we've had with some of the other services is that when we go out and, and need to find talent, it takes so long to filter through all of what comes at you when you say, hey, I need a designer for this or I need somebody to code this site for me or something. You get so much response often and it's very, very difficult to assess whether or not they're really the right fit. You can look at reviews, you can look at ratings, but at the end of the day, it's it's just such a difficult thing. And uh, and the fact that you guys have kind of attacked that head on, I think is is a huge advantage for anyone that is looking to, to get stuff you know going and get stuff off their plate. Um, this is, for a lot of the folks who will listen to this, it's a very different way of thinking. So for those of us who are kind of in the online world and in the marketing world, this has been a trend that has been going for, I don't know, the last 10 years probably. Uh, but for a lot of traditional business owners, this is, is something new. Um, what kind of advice do you have for them if they've been used to working with traditional employees and going that route? How is this different? Yeah, the key thing to keep in mind is these are business owners. Well, a lot of times when you think of yourself as a boss and an employee, you're, you're, you might be talking down to them or, or barking orders or, or whatever it is, that mindset of the old boss, which I don't necessarily agree with anyway, but that's what a lot of people do. With this, you're very much on the same side, just like, like free up and the client, the worker, we're all on the same team. We all want the, the same thing to get done. So with, you have to think about it same with your relationship with the freelancer. This person might have other clients. They might have outside projects. It's up to you to communicate at the highest level, to set expectations, to make sure that they have the availability for what you need and that they're the perfect person, but then also working together and figuring out the best way to work with each other and either long-term or building a Rolodex of people that you can trust, that you can work with going forward. And the best bosses, the best leaders, the best people that use freelancers, they get as much out of it as they're giving. They're learning. They're learning from what the freelancer is doing, from the way that they communicate. And it is different. When I talked to someone from the Philippines for the first time, it, it was an eye-opening experience. You have people that are very talented, very passionate about what they do, but they come from a different culture. They come from a different background. The same words that you and I say don't necessarily mean the same things to them. 
So it's something you can only do from learning, from experience. Uh, we have an ebook, like 10 common most mistakes of out- that people make when outsourcing, um, stuff like that to help you. But you never really understand it until you dive right into it. Yeah. And, and I, that would be my biggest recommendation to anybody who is listening to this who hasn't tried this before. And for anybody who has and, and you know, you want to go back and, and find a, a, a new way to get this stuff done, um, I, you know, dive in, try it, you know, go get free up uh, a shot. And uh, uh, I think you're going to be really pleasantly surprised. I, I'm, I'm really impressed with the amount of thought that you guys have put into this entire process. Um, it's, it's very different than anything else that, that I've seen on the market. And, and we've seen and used probably virtually everything out there. Uh, so how do folks get started? If they want to you know, start looking at the things that, that they don't like doing and focus more on their strengths, how do they get started with FreeUp? Yeah, so if you go to freeup.com with three E's, you can either create a free account, there's no monthly fees, and start putting in requests and meeting workers, and my team and I are there to help you and support you along the way. If you just want to meet with me and you have any questions, my calendar is right at the top of the website. You can book a time with me at any time. I'd love to talk to you about your business, about what we offer, answer any questions you have. So we're always available. My team's always available. They monitor my Skypes, my emails 24-7. My contact information is right on the site. Very easy to contact. And it's easy to create an account and get started whenever you're ready. Now, um, who was like, if, if you could describe kind of who this is best for? I know you guys started off in e-commerce, but you branched out from there. So who's a perfect fit for you? What type of business? Yeah, so we have some clients who do $100 million in sales a year, and we have some clients who have never sold anything before, and maybe they're getting their agency or their product off the ground and everything in between. Now, I would say our sweet spot is in that one to seven million range, somewhere in there, um, that only because there tend to be owners that are a little bit more involved in the hiring process, although we work with a lot of um, either hiring managers or, or maybe business partners that handle the hiring under big companies, um, and then people that have that have a hiring budget. A lot of times, if you're if you're doing three hundred thousand dollars a year in revenue, maybe you do still need to do it for a few more months or, or figure out your systems and processes before you hire. But I would even argue that the people that might not have a big hiring budget need to focus more on getting getting projects done rather than ongoing VAs. So even if you're that small person. Can you afford $50 for a logo, a few hundred dollars for a website? That's for you to decide, but we have those resources available to you. But if you're asking what, what our sweet spot is, it's probably in that one to seven range. Okay, perfect. So uh, again, you can go to freeup.com. There's three E's in freeup, uh, which at some point you're going to tell me the story about how that came about. Then we'll save that for another time. Uh, but uh, we'll link that up in, uh, in the show notes. And uh, I encourage you to go check it out and, uh, and, and reach out to Nathan. Um, I know you'll, uh, you'll have a great time and you'll get a lot done. Thanks, Nathan, for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes. 